This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Don't hate the player. Hate the game. The chosen one. You simply ravishing. So high five. What time is it? You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 85, and it is about the TV themes of WCW, Nitro, and Thunder. And appropriately, I am joined once again by one of the hosts of the podcast Days of Thunder. It's Lee Malone. Hello again, Lee. Hello, Andrew. I am delighted to be back on the show for, I believe, the tour time now. That's right. Yeah, the first time was uh, Macho Man. Yes. The second time was for uh, good old Finn Balor, and uh, now you're here for Nitro and Thunder. It feels so, um, only appropriate that I'm the one to cover Thunder, at least, anyway. You're the first one I thought of when I came up with this idea, so <laughs> there, there you go, there you go. But uh, but yeah, it's good to be back on the show here, absolutely. Um, Thank you very much. How are you holding up uh, during this wonder wheel of shit that is 2020? Are you doing okay? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, I, unlike most, have been working throughout a lot of it. It's not that I'm a frontline worker, I just um, work in warehousing, so... Um, I kind of I had one week or two weeks of kind of short time short term work, and then the rest of the time I've just been in five days a week basically. So, I, unlike others, have had a kind of set routine for the long time. So I've been doing okay. I mean, obviously mentally, it's like you know, having not seeing family like family that you're not living with and stuff is difficult. But you know, I I'm doing better than most. I think I can't complain. Mm, yeah, I'm I'm the same way with both work and with family. Um, I mean, I haven't seen my dad or my stepmom in person for months now, and it's it's crazy to think about, you know, but there are those people who do have it worse off than us, who lost their jobs and mm-hmm, are sure. dealing with some other real-life stuff right now, and mm-hmm. I think you have to consider yourself lucky in the grand scheme of things, Lee. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and as far as those other real-life issues are concerned, um, you know, I, I do try to keep this podcast pretty light, pretty fun. And I don't like to stray into the world of politics too much, if I can help it. But, you know, given what's been going on the past few weeks with the protests and Black Lives Matter and police brutality, and given what other podcasts on this network have said about it, like the Super Cast, like the flagship, everything elite, uh, Russellnomics, I do feel it's incumbent upon me to use my platform to speak up as well. Because, you know, ever since I was a kid... It's been drilled into my brain that America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And if there's something that you want to say, you stand up and you say it. You know, you fight for what's right. And in every state, in every major city, all these protesters, that's what they're doing. They're fighting for what's right. And they're trying to speak up against this shit, against police brutality, against systemic racism, and against the people in power who keep letting it happen. And I'm totally in favor of what they're doing and what they're fighting for and what they're trying to change. And um, Lee, I know what's going on is predominantly in the United States, but um, I've seen protests like these all over the world. 
what's it like uh, where you are in Ireland right now? What's the temperature there? Um, in Ireland, it's it very much in support of what's happening in the US at the moment. Like, for me personally, it's great to see people of all races coming together to fight this, like like you said, the systemic racism, the, the police brutality. It's just great to see people finally standing up and like like you, like uh, Irish kids come up on a lot of American culture, are brought up on a lot of American culture. And for like, we hear the whole America land of the free, home of the brave stuff. And we kind of, it's almost like we buy into the American dream as well. And to see what's going on, if you aren't aware or you kind of live in, I think as, as white males, you, it's very easy to live in a bubble and not kind of, ignore what, what's going on and what happens to other people and to see finally people standing up for them again like it, it this isn't the first time this has happened but hopefully it's the last that it has to happen because you know it's just like i can't believe in 2020 we still have stuff like this having to happen and i, I like I, there's people a lot smarter than me that can use their words better than i can to describe everything and I just want to say, like, I'm fully behind all the fund, like, donate to um, all the charities, all the, the funds for um, bail and stuff like this, and just keep spreading the the truth of what's happening on Twitter, especially. Like, I know a lot of us on wrestling Twitter are, you know, sharing a lot of what's going on, and it's great to see people finally um, speaking out. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not someone who can speak from personal experience about these issues because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm white and I've never had any real life run-ins with the police in my life, really. So, no, I don't know what it's like to be black and to know what it's like to go through this firsthand. Of course not. But I've heard stories from friends, you know, mm-hmm. I've seen videos, I've seen photos and read articles. And when you take in all that stuff, when you see all that, then... Yeah, it's pretty easy to sympathize and to understand what these people are going through and why Black Lives Matter is a thing, why all these protests are happening in the first place. And I'm not a huge fan of the looting myself, uh, especially since some looting happened uh, near where my dad and stepmom lived the other day. Um, But from what I've seen so far, uh, the looting has been very minimal, and the vast majority of these protests have been nonviolent. And the violence that has taken place has usually been because of the police, you know, using tear gas, rubber bullets, uh, physical force. I mean, there's just countless videos going around. Cars charging protests. Yeah, yeah. There's countless videos going around of just this crazy shit from the police. I mean, there's this one video going around that's just insane from Buffalo of this old guy going up to some police officers and he just starts like sternly talking to them. And the officers, they shove him back, and the old guy stumbles backwards, and he falls on the back of his head, and he's not moving. And there's blood coming out of his ear. And the cops who shoved him over, and a bunch of other cops, they just walk on by. And one of the cops actually tries to kneel down and check on him, and another cop quickly grabs him by the collar, yanks him back up, and keeps him moving. I mean, just, you know, the sheer inhumanity of it all is just... It's mind-boggling. The sheer cruelty of it all is, is, is mind-boggling. And I really struggle to think of how you can look at those videos and not, not feel angry, you know? Yeah, like, it, it, it's hard to understand how people can't support 
Black Lives Matter. You know, it, it's just, it's hard to fathom in 2020, honestly. And I, I don't think I have any other words for it other than that. It's just hard to believe that this has to happen. Well, I think, you know, as disheartening and as angering as all this stuff can be, I think it is very reassuring to see the sheer amount of protests that we've seen mm-hmm. so far and the amount of resistance that we've seen so far. Like you said, all the donations to, you know, bail funds and to mutual aid funds to go fund for the families of the victims like George Floyd, like Breonna Taylor, uh, David McAtee. You know, it's, it's just so cool to see. It's so heartening to see the overwhelming support for this cause. You know, this is not a one-sided fight. There is a counter here. And we see that in wrestling too. You know, for every <laughs> for every Jackson Riker or for every Sonny or for every Blue Lives Matter t-shirt wearing Undertaker, there's a Biggie Langston. There's a Kevin Owens. There's a Mustafa Ali. There's an Adam Page, a Naomi, a Dave Batista, a Titus O'Neil, uh, an Aubrey Edwards, an Alistair Black. The list just goes on and on and on of wrestlers who are speaking up and saying something and doing something. And in a world of scumbags like pro wrestling, Lee, that's pretty nice to see, I think. (laughs) And you know what? It's great that off the top of your head, you can name so many people that are actually in support of what's happening. Whereas like you named two or three people that have come out in support of the other side. And it's heartening that there is good people in wrestling to kind of keep it on topic of what we, we tend to talk about. Yeah, I mean, when Randy fucking Orton is on the side of Black Lives Matter, <laughs> that's saying something, Lee, all right? That, that's saying something. I, th- I think that was the one that woke wrestling Twitter up. That was the one that really went, whoa, like, this is this is really going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's all I wanted to say about it, really. Um, last thing I will mention uh, is, once again, that if you want to support Black Lives Matter, if you want to support the protesters, obviously you can go to a protest yourself. Uh, wear a mask if you do. There is still a pandemic going on after all. Uh, but if you don't want to go to a protest, you can still help. Um, like I said, there are a number of funds and charities and mutual aids that you can support in your local area or nationally, either or. And I'll put a link to some of them in the description of the podcast here. Um, don't just tweet out a hashtag. Don't just change your Twitter icon. Do something, give something, say something. That's how you get stuff done. Um, anything else you want to say about this, Lee? No, I think you said it better than I ever could. Okay, well, uh, let's try to switch to something that's a bit uh, less severe in tone, (laughs) and that is today's episode here, uh, the WCW Nitro and Thunder TV themes. And uh, Lee, the reason I have you on, of course, is because you are one of the hosts of the podcast Days of Thunder, where you and your buddy Dave review every single episode of Thunder like a pair of maniacs. (laughs) You watch the whole thing, the good... The bad and the very And the ugly. Mongo. And the Mongo, of course, the Mongo. God bless the Mongo. Um, where are you right now in the Thunder timeline? Okay, so we are almost a year and a half into our podcast. And we are still in 1998. So <laughs> <laughs> we just finished um, Road World, which was our last episode that dropped uh, two weeks ago. And so we are just about to begin to run to Fall Brawl. 1998 which if you've never seen it don't (laughs) it's quite a show um but yeah no it's taken us nearly 18 months to get maybe what just over halfway through the year so that'll tell you how long our podcast is scheduled to run well considering what comes ahead uh you might want to take your time there (laughs) i think that's important to remember it's almost uh, like here's the thing 
1999, 2000, 2001 gets so wild and crazy that there's stuff that we can talk about plenty. At the moment, we have Stevie Ray as TV champion. Or sorry, self-proclaimed TV champion. Um, Mongo is all over the show. Uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan is doing celebrity tag matches. It's not good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we try to make it as entertaining as we possibly can. And yeah, we drop uh, a regular Thunder show every two weeks over on the PWO Podcast Network. Cool, cool. Well... I assume most people listening are familiar with either Nitro or Thunder, or both, to begin with here. Uh, Nitro, the flagship show of WCW from September 95 to the end of the company in March of 01, aired live on Mondays on TNT against Monday Night Raw. Uh, Thunder, the secondary show, came about in January of 98, aired on Thursdays on the TBS Superstation, and then moved over to Wednesdays a few years later because of losing a ratings war to SmackDown. And then it all goes away when WCW goes out of business. And, uh, you know, I, so, I've said... Oh, go ahead, Lee. I was just going to say, I have a question for you. Because you became a fan in, like, 03, right? Uh, correct, yes. Yes, so have you gone back and watched Nitros and Thunders and stuff like this? Like, what? What have you any memories of Nitro and Thunder being on the air? Well, I was going to say, my history with WCW is well known in this podcast by now. It, it died before I could watch it live. So I, I never saw Nitro or Thunder or any WCW, for that matter, in real time, only going backwards via the internet. And I've said before, I, I do have this twinge of jealousy in me at not being able to watch these shows live and experience the Monday Night Wars and peak WCW in real time. Um, what about you, Lee? What's your history with watching Nitro and Thunder uh, back in the day? So in... Ireland on Friday nights we would have Raw and Nitro running um, simultaneously on different uh, show on different channels. So instead of the Monday Night Wars, we had the Friday Night Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like Monday Night Raw would be on like Sky Sports, and then Nitro would come on after we had um, the Cartoon Network, which would run until nine p.m. and then it would turn to TNT. And on Friday nights, nine p.m. was Raw on one side, Nitro on the other. So, for, I won't say all of the time, but, like, I was a big WWF fan as a kid. So, but, like, discovering that Nitro was available to watch was, like, this amazing thing. Like, seeing Hollywood, actually seeing footage of Hollywood Hogan as a bad guy. Like, stuff you would have read about in magazines and um, stuff like that. Thunder was a lot harder to get hold of for me personally. I didn't realise it was showing on, like, um... British Terrestrial TV. It was on Channel 5, I think, in around 1999-2000, which is not a channel that's freely available in Ireland. But we also had, for a lot of the mid to late 90s, we had um, satellite channels which we could pick up from Germany. So we used to get like German sports channels. So you could get Nitro, Thunder, and sometimes WCW pay-per-views on there, on uh, DSF, I believe it was. So every now and again, I'd be able to catch an episode here or there. But that's the thing with Thunder, with the, the show we do. I don't really have a real recollection of a lot of the stuff we cover. So it's all kind of new to me up until a certain point. So yeah, as a kid, I didn't see WCW a lot, but I was very much aware of it. Red magazines, stuff like that. Yeah, and, and luckily because of the internet, all of these shows are available online somewhere, you know, whether on the WWE Network or YouTube clips or whatever. And because of that, I can watch all these great 
cruiserweight matches, you know, the the awesome Goldberg squashes, the cool NWO entrances, uh, the glory of Mongo. I, I mean, it's all there, <laughs> good and bad. And watching them, yeah, it's easy to see why this company was so popular during its heyday, especially Nitro. I mean, you got the live aspect of it, the unpredictable nature of the show, big arenas, exciting action with the Cruiserweights, NWO, Goldberg, Sting, DDP, the show-ending brawls, uh, Tony Schiavone, we gotta go, we're out of time, we gotta go! <laughs> <laughs> like, it really took WCW to the next stage and made it seem like the biggest thing in the world. Something that you want to tune into every single week and watch and be part of. And we've seen a lot of stuff from Nitro you know, be adopted over the years by other companies, other shows, Raw, Dynamite, Impact. You know, the influence and the importance of a show like Nitro really can't be overstated, Lee. Oh yeah, I think it's something that like nowadays wrestling fans kind of bemoan that wrestling has never really evolved past this late 90s kind of style of TV presentation. But, like, if you watch Nitro and Raw from the same week, from, like, 95 on, from the beginning of Nitro, it's mind-blowing just how innovative Nitro was compared to Raw at the time. Like, it just blew away. Like, the the feel of unpredictability is just insane compared to the, the kind of bland, like, really bright WWF at the time. And as far as Thunder goes, yeah, it's not on the same level as Nitro, sure. You know, it was taped for one... It was, in many ways, like I said, a secondary show. But still, having another two-hour show on a big TV station like that every single week is still a pretty big deal. And WCW, like they did many times, beat WWE to the punch by having this second big show like Thunder on their schedule each week. You know, the, the pilot of SmackDown didn't air until, what, April of 99. And then the actual first episode of it aired in August. So Thunder, you know, overall, maybe not as important as the flagship show was, but it still made its own mark in wrestling. Oh, yeah. Like for, for as much as like I, I slag it off and, you know, bemoan, bemoan having to watch it sometimes. Thunder was a great addition to the WCW, um, to WCW's arsenal. Like they got to show like they had an insane roster that's probably only matched by modern day WWE for the, the literal size of it. And the fact that they had a second two hours to show off all of these guys, like it should have been a great thing. Like they should have like focused on a lot of other stuff. But that's like that's for that's for my own podcast. I won't get into that on this. But um, but yeah, no, Thunder was a very welcome addition at the time. I'm sure. And initially, ratings for Thunder are pretty strong. Attendances are strong. Mm-hmm. Things are going fine. But eventually, as WCW goes downhill, ratings go down. Crowds go down. Uh, the booking becomes more and more atrocious, to say the least, and both Nitro and Thunder are eventually in the gutter, and then they're just gone. And looking back, it was the creation of Thunder that probably sped up the downfall in some ways, because you've got two more hours of wrestling to fill a week, you've got to keep the storyline straight between the two shows, you've got to worry about possibly overexposing some wrestlers, maybe, you have to book more arenas, sell those tickets. I mean, it's a whole extra kettle of fish that you have to deal with. And if you're WWE during the Attitude Era and you've got SmackDown with, you know, The Rock and Mick Foley and Stone Cold, all those big stars and the product is hot and the creative is pretty good and pretty stable on the whole, yeah, you'll be fine. But if you're WCW and you're on the downward swing, the audience is slowly shrinking, the creative is just so tumultuous and things are just a mess overall, 
it's not good. And it's a harsh lesson in wanting more and wanting to be the biggest fish in the pond. And it just ends up backfiring on you, which is actually what WWE is going through right now in some ways. Yeah, uh, see, I personally would point the finger almost to like Trio and Nitros, which is funny considering like Trio or Raws are now pointed at as the main reason for WWE's downfall. Like having the additional two hours, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because, right, if somebody's out on Nitro for 15 minutes doing a match or a promo or whatever, doing an extra 15 minutes for that that feud on Thunder, I know it's another little bit you have to kind of use to get to the next point in the feud, but it's not, you know, it's not going to kill you. Whereas WCW just instantly looked at it as this this weight around their ankle just dragging them down the whole time instead of embracing it and using it positively. That's a good point too. Yeah, it's how well you use it. And and yeah, maybe if there were some smarter people in charge of WCW back then, if things were a lot more stable, then yeah, Thunder could have worked out a lot better, I think. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case. So... So let's get to these TV themes here. Uh, This will not be an extensive episode, uh, to say the (laughs) least, because there are only four songs to play. Uh, Two Nitro themes and two Thunder themes. Uh, Considerably fewer than other shows like Raw, SmackDown, Impact. And obviously the reason being for that is because those shows have lasted a lot longer than Nitro and Thunder did. Uh, Nitro went five and a half years, Thunder only three. But regardless... We will go in chronological order here, uh, starting with the first Nitro theme, which debuted when the first show aired on September 4th, 1995 on TNT. And uh, funny enough, the first Nitro theme, there's a bit of a kerfuffle over the authorship of the song. Some sources say that the song is called Mean Streets by Jonathan Elias, but I cannot find any reputable sources that confirm this. It's not on Elias's ASCAP page. There's no hard evidence that he did the song. So with that said, uh, the composer is unknown. The title is unknown. This is just the Nitro theme. So with a wrestling TV theme, it's going to last the length of the opening video, which is on average, what, 30 seconds, maybe? So you really want to maximize your minutes. No time for dilly-dallying at all here. And here, we've got that. Just bam, straight from the jump. We've got this cranked up metal, high energy, triple guitar attack, snappy percussion. No faffing about, no moody intro. It's in-your-face metal from the get-go. This is Nitro. This is pro wrestling. Let's fucking go, Lee. Come on. So, as far as a wrestling show theme goes, the Nitro theme is a real damn good one, Lee. Oh, yeah. Like, this is so instantly recognizable to any wrestling fan. 
like if you've watched more than a handful of episodes of Nitro, you know this song as soon as it kicks in. Like, um, but yeah, like if you compare this again, I I hated the whole comparison to WWF at the time, but it's just such an easy thing to do. Like to Raw at the time, like using the metal, using it's just right in your face. This is it. This is Nitro. This is live. This is new. Like, and I I think we're gonna get into it with the videos, but like the video especially aids this song so much. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the Raw theme, uh, comparing it to that first Raw theme that they had for most of the 90s. You know, that... There are some similarities there. Uh, Jim Johnston with his own grimy guitar uh, and hot pace to it. But the Nitro theme, it it does come off more intense, more action movie-ish. Especially since the Raw theme, it does have the saxophone part in it. You know, a a bit (laughs) cheesy in that regard, I think. So... Yeah, it was a way of showing that WCW is where the big boys play. It, Nitro is the proper big boy show with the kick-ass metal song. Yeah, they did have their fair share of cartoonish bullshit, like with, you know, Hogan and the Dungeon of Doom. But comparing this song to the Raw theme, it's much more of a straightforward, like, proper uh, wrestling theme song. Yeah, like it, it kind of instantly makes WWF feel out of touch compared to this new hot um wcw nitro and like you say like okay you're still gonna have the hogan stuff on the show but when you're coming out with like eddie guerrero and chris benoit in 1995 and comparing it to like i don't know duke the dumpster josie and hunter hearst helmsy on the other sides there's no comparison is there like you know which one you're gonna watch and uh i mentioned the uh multiple guitars there's the standard crunchy guitar that does the main riff there's the plinky guitar that gives it a little bit more seasoning. And then the real wailing shredding guitar that puts it over the top. And putting on my uh, English major hat here to wax poetic, <laughs> uh, the different types of guitars represent the eclectic mix of talent that you would see on Nitro. Because <laughs> on the same show here, Lee, you had Hulk Hogan, Super Colo, Mongo, Kendall Windham, Norman Smiley, Buff Bagwell, Yuji Nagata, you know, a real melting pot of talent here, Lee. So this song is a good representation of that mix. I didn't think that deeply about it, but now that you say, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, if you want to look that deeply into the song, that that's definitely uh, something you can pull out. <laughs> <laughs> Why not, right? I mean, I mean come on. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's your show. You can, you can yeah. look as deeply into any song as you want. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, the opening video for this, a uh, very iconic video, starts off with the dark city street. It's all deserted, no lights, no energy, no people, nothing going on at all. And then, whoosh, this big power surge comes in. Is it the tag team high voltage? No, <laughs> it's Nitro, bitch. All the lights turn on, sparks flying everywhere, manhole covers are exploding, there's there's fire, there's pyro, you see the wrestlers being projected in the walls of the buildings, and then at the end, there's the big sign on fire that says, Monday Nitro Live. You know, it, it's a real high-stakes intro that makes Nitro seem even cooler and edgier than Raleigh. Yeah, I, I love the Nitro intro. Like, the, the wrestlers being tr- projected onto the buildings, like, has that kind of, like, king kong feel of bigger than life larger than any building you'll see in real life you know it's like these are the stars that you want to see and like the, the flame just being the constant down all the empty streets street lights exploding like you say manhole covers exploding and then just the nitro the boom it's just 
and then the, the the song continues as all the pyro explodes in the arena for another 30 seconds i mean that's just it's an iconic open and again very influential too because we would see later on with raw during the attitude era with their intro you know the, the dark dirty warehouse scrapyard that had the pyro and, and the, the sparks and the fire shooting off everywhere the, the ring the, the ring surrounded by fire the ring surrounded by fire the wrestlers projected on the walls. Again, it wasn't just the show that was very influential, but we see elements from the opening video being adopted as well, Lee. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's not something that WWE will openly admit, but they took a lot from Nitro. Yeah, I mean, being live every week is the big one, obviously. Um, the more adult tone as well, uh, going from two to three hours in the runtime. Um, some of the wrestlers too, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they get a bunch of them as the years go by. Um, now, as far as the footage of the wrestlers being shown on the walls of the buildings there, uh, I do want to bring up uh, one example of that, which is uh, Lex Luger doing a big muscly pose. And when he does it, there's this weird demonic grunt noise like, <laughs> it just, <laughs> it makes me laugh every time I hear it. Like, I had to bring it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it feels on the... On point for Lex Luger at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just to do a grunt and a pose. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on now to the first Thunder theme, which debuted when the first episode of Thunder aired on January 8th, 1998 on the TBS Superstation. This song is from the Atmosphere Music Library. It's by Steve Everett, and it's called Out to Lunch. very much dealing with a different beast than the Nitro theme. Uh, no big in-your-face metal explosions here. This is kind of an electronica, hip-hop, rock fusion thingy, sort of like a cross between uh, Little Fluffy Clouds by The Orb and the menu music from Smackdown Here Comes the Pain. That's the way I hear it. Um, I wouldn't call it a super chill song because it still has some you know, oomph to it, but Compared to the big, loud, over-the-top, fire and brimstone metal of the Nitro theme, it's definitely got a different kind of vibe and atmosphere, which is good because it's a way to distinguish between the two shows, Lee. Yeah, I like the kind of like low-key intro of Thunder compared to, like you say, the more in-your-face um, presentation for Nitro. Whereas like Nitro has the, the, the fire and the explosions, Thunder has like... The, the first one is just like, you know, raindrop and thunder, thunder sounds. And yeah, it has this like kind of electronic, it's not quite new metal in the, in the sense of it, but like it has the rock kind of drum beat underneath, but it definitely has that kind of record scratchy and then electronic kind of 
chorus almost if, if you want to describe it as that um but yeah like i i am so so used to hearing this song so often <laughs> that it's like ingrained in my mind like they use this song so much on the show <laughs> like a match will end and they'll go towards a break and it'll just kick in and it's just so ingrained now in my memory that i almost love it at this stage <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think timing-wise, it makes sense because 98, you know, ambient music, house music, hip-hop, they're all firmly ingrained in pop culture at this point. So it's a good idea to branch into those worlds. And, 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 I, and think, I, think, I think the color scheme lends itself yes, to that as well. Yes. The, 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 the silver and blues. Yes, exactly. Like the really, the really dark blues and the silvers and the kind of... Um, uh, industrial style entrance sets that they would have like it really really leans into the time and it like it is a cool presentation yeah because nitro was all about the red and the black and, and the yellow the steel plating there's a real metallic inferno thing going on there and that nitro theme definitely fits that whole vibe and that whole scheme thunder like you said you've got blue you've got purple you've got silver the lightning effects there's the weird entrance set with the rectangular archway. It gives off more of a futuristic, dystopian kind of vibe in a way. And, and, the, and so, the song really plays into that, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It really fits that vibe quite well, for sure. Now, as far as the intro videos go, uh, the first Thunder opening video from early 98 is its pretty basic, actually. It's just clips of various WCW guys superimposed over dark storm clouds and the added in like effects of rain droplets hitting the screen and rippling out and there's thunder sound effects and then the thunder logo appears and that's pretty much it uh, again separating itself from nitro in terms of what they're going for with the look the colors the effects the music um unfortunately it, it does make thunder seem lesser than nitro because Nitro has this whole big to-do with the pyro and the explosions and the, the neighborhood set. Thunder, not quite as impressive in comparison, and, and it does give the game away as to how Thunder would be treated in the pecking order. Uh, very much, you know, the B-show in a lot of ways, Lee. I don't even necessarily think that would be a bad thing if they kind of leaned into it and ex not, even, not necessarily explained it that way, but kind of like just made it clear that that's what this was, was to be. And kind of like, played as that didn't have to be as important as nitro but like you you say it was uh, the rest was kind of laid over thunderclouds i actually thought they were puddles because then that would explain the raindrops i was thinking that too yeah yeah so that, that that's just something i just kind of noticed there um but i do like like the wrestlers that they do showcase on these things are kind of the, the bigger stars you have your sting your hogan who of course were just coming off starcade 97 you've nash um, of course like a main guy and what's soon to be the the wolf pack um, but like I, I like the kind of the, the chill presentation compared to Nitro it's just like you say if they kind of if they just made it clear that that's what Night Thunder was to be to Nitro's kind of loud in your face live anything can happen if Thunder was just that kind of more you know here's two hours of TV that you know you, you can maybe miss but it's not the most important thing in the world and the other intro videos from 98-99 are basically the same. Uh, it's the wrestlers superimposed again, uh, this time on the Hollywood sign, 
from L.A., but in, like, a cool badass font, you know? And then lightning strikes it, and it forms the Thunder logo. The differences are the wrestlers that they use. You know, those change depending on what year it is. And in the 98 one, uh, there's a wacky road sign. And in the 99 one, there isn't. So. I, I think that the kind of later 98 one kind of plays into that kind of dystopian future. Like, Hollywood has been destroyed. And now it's, like, Hollywood Hogan-style font on the Hollywood logo. Um, but my one point on it is the Hollywood logo explodes. And shards of the logo form the Thunder logo, which then spins around. And it's, like... Are they trying to say that Hollywood Hogan built Thunder? Is this his show? <laughs> well, um, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think the story goes is that one of the big reasons that WCW signed Bret Hart was that they wanted him to be like the main guy on Thunder. Like it would be his show. Um, of course, the sign doesn't say Hitman. It says Hollywood. So it's not like they were committed to that idea, I guess. And, and trust um, me, as as someone who's watched eight months of Thunder at this stage, Bret Hart really isn't that prominent on Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I mean that that is the, the the whole reason they signed him in late '97 was that that uh, Bischoff wanted him to be like the guy to carry Thunder, and just for some reason he's very rarely on it. <laughs> well, WCW, there you go, <laughs> there you go. Um, no other explanation either, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Steve Everett, the composer, uh, also had some other songs used in WCW um, as theme songs for wrestlers, one of which is called Wild One, which was used by The Barbarian, Dick Slater, The Diamond Stud. He also had a song that was used exclusively by Japanese wrestlers called... And I'm quoting here, folks. Okay, I'm quoting when I say this. <laughs> I can only this. imagine how bad this is going to be. Uh, it's 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 called nip hop, nip <sighs> as in the ethnic slur against Japanese people during World War II. Wrestling, yay! And, and I can, I can already <laughs> sound the song in my head if it's the one I'm thinking of that a lot of Japanese wrestlers use in WCW. It's just, it, it's, <sighs> it's all you can do is just, just a deep, heavy sigh. That's all you can do, really. Here. Yeah, it, it, it's look, it, WCW. I mean, come on. <laughs> Trust me, you you get used to it and you're covering it so much. Let's move on past this, shall we? Let's yeah. let's move on now. Let's move on now. So, on April 5th, 1999, WCW gets a little makeover. There's a new logo, new sets, new dancers, and Nitro gets a new theme. This one would last until the final episode of Nitro on March 26, 2001. It's by an obscure group called Purity, and this is their song, Adrenaline V1.
So WCW went to an outside artist for this second Nitro theme here, Purity. I don't know who they are, mind you, and I think this was their biggest achievement of their careers, getting this song as the Nitro theme, but anyway, you know, much like how Thunder tried to branch away musically from that first Nitro theme and do its own thing, so too does this one. I mean, it's still trying to be edgy and intense and get you pumped up for a wrestling show, but we're not talking the triple guitar attack here, or, or sweaty heavy metal. Instead, it's more of like an industrial drum and bass electronica song. More programmed, more technological, less hands-on musicality. Really, you know, a more aggressive version of Out to Lunch, if you think about it. So, Nitro here is really stealing Thunder's thunder, folks. <laughs> Come on now. Waiting for it. Waiting for it. Come on now. <laughs> but uh, but seriously, Lee, uh, there is a pretty significant jump between the first Nitro theme and this new one here. Yeah, so as we'll see when we get on to the second Thunder theme, I find it very interesting that Thunder started out as the kind of chill, kind of electronica song, and Nitro was the metal in your face. And then they kind of switch in 1990s and go the other way and like i don't hate this this nitro team i don't love it i prefer i prefer the original but like this one feels like it was chosen just for the nitro girls to dance to <laughs> and i mean i don't know if that's a logical reason to pick a theme song um like the the, the sound itself i don't think this this song would be out of place in like a heist movie montage scene like, you take, like, an Ocean's Eleven type movie, and, like, they're kind of hacking into, like, some kind of system. Like, I could hear this song playing in the background. It has that kind of electronic, kind of, like, futuristic interference style sounds at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, timing-wise, again, the late 90s, this kind of sound is more and more mainstream, more and more prominent. You have bands like The Prodigy, um, Apollo 440. I mean, even David Bowie had an album called Earthling around this time, which heavily featured this kind of sound. And I think with Nitro here, the message is pretty clear that this is a new era of Nitro. This is not your dad's Nitro, man, you know? <laughs> Even though your dad's Nitro was like, what, six months ago? You know, a year ago? But they're trying to say that this is, again, a new era for Nitro and WCW. So he had the new song, new genre music, new logo, new set, the Nitro Girls... Vince Russo coming in with his shtick. Even though you still had the same guys in the main event scene for the most part, the intent is to say Nitro is entering this new millennium and it's going to be cooler and hipper than ever before. It didn't last long, of course, but that was the intent, I think, Lee. Yeah, I mean, maybe we should think of Nitro as aging in dog years. Right. So what, it's like four years in now, so like it's, what, 28? So it's just kind of, it's into its kind of chill EDM style music. And now it's all, all all about wearing its FUBU clothes like Kevin Nash. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like it, it, it is of its time. And I kind of commend them for kind of playing into what was popular at the time. Like I can't knock them for it now, like 20 years later. Um, it, it's very easy to do it, but I won't. Um, but yeah, like it, it's fine. It's not, it's not really as memorable as the original intro, I don't think. Um. But the logo, I mean, I know the logo caused a lot of uh, consternation at the time. Do you have any, like, strong opinions on the new logo? 
Not really. Um, I'm kind of detached from the whole era to begin with, you know, so I'm not really beholden to one logo or the other. Um, I think it's, you know, as you've been saying, very of the time and very sleek and very cool and busy and very much of the new millennium, this kind of futuristic looking logo. Um, and the old logo in comparison does look rather plain and simple and, and retro. But when you're doing a whole big makeover, that's the point, is, is to transform yourself and to be so different on purpose. Very, very 2000 and, like you say, new millennium. And, I mean, you can't, you, like I say, you can't knock them for trying. Well, the opening video, the 1999 one, I love because it's so 1999, you know, because it's literally just the Nitro Girls dancing underneath the giant new WCW logo. Um, once again, the wrestlers are superimposed inside the logo as it's forming. You got fireballs in the background. And at the end, the Nitro Girls do the Will Ospreay superhero pose <laughs> as the Monday Nitro logo uh, forms overhead. It is like the most 1999 shit that you'll see. And something that is just a lot more attuned to this kind of music here, I supposedly. When Will Ospreay wrestles again, I'm now going to think of the Nitro Girls when he does that pose. <laughs> So thank you very much, Andrew. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it, you know, Dancing Girls, nineteen ninety nine. It, it's very of its time. Like I say, I feel like the song was picked just for the intro. Um, I do like the continuous themes though of the wrestlers being imposed onto something. It's it's carried across on the first three kind of intro or the first couple of intro videos, and it's like their own WCW style thing, and like imposing them on the new logo. And making people you know kind of take notice of it i think that's kind of clever and again the nitro explosion at the end kind of carries over from the last from the prior song so it's it's nice to see some continuity there well that kind of changes up with the 2000 2001 video where they set it up like they're filming a tv monitor as nitro is airing that sort of effect lots of quick cuts very erratic but really it's it's, it's the most actual wrestling and show footage that we've seen so far in any of these videos. All the other ones are pretty sparse when it comes to having actual wrestling footage and content. Which and is ironic when you compare it to the actual TV show where there was less wrestling than ever. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's pretty <laughs> strange. But again, this is very much the most different in terms of the style of the video and the way that the wrestling is shown. But, um, but again, you know, 2000, 2001 WCW is itself very different to what it was even in 97 and 98. There's so much of a change in the company, you know, in terms of the flavoring within a, just a, you know, a one or two year stretch even that it's very jarring to see, Lee. Yeah, uh, and I actually think that the later video kind of fits the entrance better. Like yeah. It fits the song yeah. better, if, if that makes sense. Like, it kind of, whereas the girls are kind of, and the, the logo or the, the focus, it's like seeing the focus on the wrestlers for the first time on an intro. It feels kind of more in tune with the idea of what the show should be. Well, with this big makeover, it took Thunder another year before it got its second and final theme. Uh, the show moved from Thursdays to Wednesdays on January 12th, 2000. And then on February 16th, they got the new song, which lasted until the end of Thunder on March 21st, 2001. This is by Slayer. Yes, that's Slayer. Originally off of WCW Mayhem the Music, later released on the Slayer album God Hates Us All which, uh, considering the content of the shows by that point, it's a bit on the nose, <laughs> I think. <laughs> this is Here Comes the Pain. 
Well, here comes the pain. Dun, 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 dun. So uh, WCW went ahead and got themselves Slayer because when you're trying to be hard and edgy and make your show seem like the most badass show in the world, Slayer is honestly a pretty good band to go with. I mean, they are as unabashedly metal as it gets. And we talked about how Nitro took Thunder's music with adrenaline. This is Thunder going, oh yeah? Well, I'm going to take your metal genre and I'm going to crank it up to 11 here because this is some heavy-duty metal I mean, this is Slayer, for God's sake. Yeah, like, this was eye-opening to me because, as I said at the top, like, I wasn't watching that much, like, late-stage Thunder. So I had no idea this song was the Thunder <laughs> intro. And it's kind of amazing to me. Like, this is a song I would happily listen to over and over again. And not just in a wrestling context. Like, I loved listening to this. I listened to this song repeat a couple of times this morning. Um, like, I had no idea they did it. Like, at, at this era of WCW where they're out getting Kiss and Megadeth to get Slayer to do the intro, or to get a Slayer song, sorry, to do the intro of Thunder is just... I mean, look, they're not wasting my money, so I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love this. Yeah, thank you, Billionaire Ted. Thank you so much for that. I mean, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they did use an instrumental version of the song for the theme here, which uh, it, it still works because it's metal. It's a wrestling show. They go together really well. And initially, you know, I was like, why didn't they go with the lyrics version? And then I looked up the lyrics and I found out why. <laughs> I am the new hell on earth, the lord of agony divine, remorseless anarchy. I am arrogance in the flesh. Step aside for the nightmare. Pure destruction stands before you. No escape as the psycho brings you misery. I am brutality, the face of everlasting pain. Maybe a little too intense for the theme to thunder, Lee? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the TBS schedule is like, but, you know, towards the evening, turning on TBS and good Turner Broadcasting, and you're getting those lyrics. I mean, how could you complain? Well, I mean, this is the same company that, instead of saying blood, said mysterious red liquid, you know? International objects, not Exactly, object. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the network didn't want these lyrics on their show. I, I don't know. But um, regardless, like I said, uh, I think it's uh, also a little too on the nose given the quality of 2000 WCW, you know? Hell on Earth, Agony Divine, Nightmare, Misery. Remorseless Anarchy to describe the management. Yeah, Everlasting Pain. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Those are pretty appropriate descriptors for 2000 WCW. I mean, come on now. Uh, here comes the pain. Not just the title. It's what people say when the show starts. Folks! Oh, come on, I have to get there. <laughs> two for two, baby. Two for two. Come on now. <laughs> sorry, Lee. Sorry, sorry. I'm going to get you on the guest star on one of those episodes now. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, Funny enough, if you think about it, you know, the, the big four of thrash metal, the four pillars of thrash, if you will, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer, and Anthrax, three of those four bands were associated with WCW in some way, because Metallica did Sting's theme, Seek and Destroy. Megadeth did Goldberg's theme, Crush Em. Slayer did the Thunder theme, but if I'm not mistaken, there was no Anthrax involvement with WCW. And if I can put on my conspiracy theory hat for a moment, the reason why is because Scott Ian from Anthrax 
helped make the raw theme thorn in your eye. So there is some brand loyalty from Anthrax to WWF Lee. Oh, I, I never knew that about uh, him helping on the raw theme. There you go. Learn, learn something new every day, especially when you're on with uh, on music and math. Yeah, again, that's my complete bullshit, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is my show, goddammit. I can do that here. I can, I can do that. Look, the, the, the wrestlers weren't showing loyalty, so somebody had to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you ship-jumping bastards. Come on. <laughs> well, I'll accept Undertaker, of course. <laughs> uh, lastly, of course, are the Final Thunder intro videos. Uh, similar to the last Nitro video in that there are lots of stylish cuts Lots of cool filters, uh, Dutch angles. Uh, the 2000 video did have one of those old-timey movie countdown clocks in it. And the 01 video has, like, computer hacker code all over it. So not really much to go on with those videos. But still, much like with Nitro, a big jump between the old style of Thunder videos and the new one, Lee. Mm, like, the, the Hollywood logo is gone. But I do I do like the little countdown to, to really get you in for the show. Like, it does a little countdown from 10 into zero and then it calls into the arena i thought that was a nice little touch all right well those were the nitro and thunder tv themes uh, a fun trip down memory lane i'm sure for a lot of people out there like i said uh, not the most extensive list in the world uh, nor is it the most diverse either in terms of sounds but that's what happens when your tv shows only last a few years and i, I do wonder if wcw had survived and wasn't bought by WWE, which songs and bands would have been used as themes for these shows going forward? You know, would they have been generic library songs? Would they have gotten popular artists? It's one of those, you know, smaller what-if questions that pops up in wrestling, Lee. Well, I suppose Eric would have been using his own money, so I think Gone would have been the Kiss, the Megadeths, the Metallica, and he may have made, like, a move for Jim Johnson. Who knows? Yeah, the uh, the fusiant media budget might not have been as exorbitant as uh, Uncle Ted's was, but uh, you never know for sure. You never know. One of them great what-ifs. Right, right. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Lee, thank you so much for being here again. It's always great to have you on the show, especially for this kind of episode where it's right in your wheelhouse. So, you know, I'm glad you were on. Andrew, it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Always happy to be here. Any plugs you want to give, go right ahead. Of course, uh, at WCW Thunderpod on Twitter. We are on the PWO Podcast Network. We drop every every second Thursday for our regular Thunder episodes. Um, it's normally around 8, 9 p.m. Um, East Coast time. So it's like generally the middle of the night Irish time. But, you know, we, we look out, we, we tend to know a lot of our listeners are kind of American-based, being that it's a WCW, WCW podcast. Um, we also do special episodes. We've done like... Um, pick your poison episodes where we'll pick like six or eight matches on certain wrestlers we have a guest or two on and they'll pick a, a, a wrestler of their choice that happens to be on the thunder roster at the time we've done rick flair chris jericho um so yeah check them out they kind of they tend to be special episodes so we we don't really schedule them regularly but yeah check us out please at wcw Thunderpod on twitter and we are available on all good listening apps spotify soundcloud all the usual stuff and if you want a little bit extra take my advice folks on this that's our mongo on twitter <laughs> oh yeah for sure an entire twitter account dedicated to just posting clips of mongo in wcw it, it is just absolute goldly oh andrew 
it brings me so much joy that everyone else gets to suffer through Mongo now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the clip from Road Wild 98 against Brian Adams is just the Andrew, stuff of legend. The, I mean, the come shoot, on. The shoot DDT <laughs> heard round the world. I I was dumbfounded when I watched that just a couple of weeks ago. I, I, I had to text Dave and say, I have just seen the worst sequence of wrestling I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I've seen Charmel and Jen, Jenna Maraska. Uh, but here's the thing though here's the thing as bad as mongo was and he was very bad you can't help but love the guy because he he went for it you know he he was so gung-ho with wrestling he wasn't in there just to do a few shots he wanted to wrestle and he did poorly mind you but god damn it lee he went in there with that chicago bears jacket and that halliburton suitcase and he wrestled so god bless you mongo he embraced it so much you can't help but like give him some credit like you can't you can't hate on him too much it's funny to watch but you can't hate on him especially when you compare like um oh what does i'm blanking on his name now um what's it? green the other football player um oh um al green no, no not, not al green the football um, player <laughs> shit what was his that name he turns his back on oh why am i blanking on his name um Kevin Green. Kevin Green. Kevin Green. Kevin that Green. was it. When you compared that he was like almost a natural in the ring from the moment he stepped in and it was Mongo that stuck around. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> you can't have the good guy. You got to have Mongo. <laughs> Listen, the winds of fate are a very strange mistress, okay? You, you can't explain this stuff and you just have to go with it, you know, so... So God bless Mongo regardless. Yeah, regardless. for sure. But um, anyway, uh, Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. Check out the VOW Discord at VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. That'd be great. Uh, just go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. And finally, rate, review, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Uh, Lee, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Again, Andrew, a pleasure for being on. Happy to be here. Talk to you again. All right. For Lee Malone, I'm Andrew Rich. Keep up the good fight. Stay safe out there, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.